Hey, so welcome back to the Eastside Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Buteau, and this is brought to you by Cleveland Street Mortgage. Uh, let's jump right in. We're going to talk about uh, just um, some anecdotes in the market, kind of hyper-local. Again, we're going to focus on Edmonds um, this week. And uh, But first, a little more macroeconomically. Um, inventory is creeping up. Little by little, kind of across the nation, we're seeing some increases in inventory. Um, anecdotally, you know, I see houses are sitting more, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we look at some specific houses there. Um, and I think there's a few more sellers coming into the marketplace. Just they're acclimating to the environment that is. You know, they're they're not so much you know looking you know, looking to the past and hoping that uh, we'll get back to those two or three percent interest rates. They're realizing that if they're going to make a move, you know, ever that uh, you know this may be the only market they ever have and so we are seeing some of those sellers who have held off coming into the market and just the buying activity slowed down a little bit part of that seasonal we're kind of entering into that slowest historical market in August you know historically that's the second slowest month of the year um, I think uh, after uh, December um, but anecdotally um, three Edmonds listings and um, yeah I think you'll see some some you know some some traits developing here are some you know characteristics of these listings two of them have you know uh, two of them listed and sat um, one of them is now off market and the other listed and sold right away and so the two that sat we'll start with those you know we, we you know one was in mid-century uh, with modest updates you know wasn't wasn't dated but it, but its updates were were modest they weren't you know fully up to date um, and you know, mid-century uh, uh, 2400 square foot Rambler and 975 excuse me not a, uh, a two-story $975,000 Edmund listing and it was listed on July 13th today's the 25th and um, no offers as of yet still there whether we'll see a price reduction you know who, you know, who knows but uh, that was also in South Edmonds you know, desirable area, but not the most attractive area. You know, they're, they're definitely distinct neighborhoods in Edmonds. Um, the other one that is similar in kind of result, it was in Meadowdale. Again, not, you know, nice area, but not the most attractive area in Edmonds. It was 1964 versus the other one was in, in the 50s. Um, not updated, you know, in this case, price point uh, prior to uh, price reduction, I think it was about 875. It's off the market today. Um, it was listed on June 22nd. On July the 10th, there was a price reduction in, as I said, as of today, price, um, you know, it, it's off the market, similar in size. And so I think what you're seeing with both of these cases that, uh, you know, that, that buyers are being a little more discriminatory and right discriminating, not discriminatory. Feds don't get all bent out of shape on that. Um, they're they're being more discriminating right now. You know, they're they're not just jumping on whatever's out there. They have choices, and um, but then you know, as a point of contrast, there's another listing, the third listing that I want to talk about. Anecdotally, this was in Picnic Point, highly desirable area within Edmonds. A um, thousand, uh, excuse me, a million twenty-five dollars. 1997, it was built in 97, so it's a newer property and very up to date, you know, very, very updated, listed on 713, pending on 714. So I think you see these different results. Here we had, you know, a very nice property in a very nice neighborhood, and there was a lot of interest in that, and that went under, you know, contract right away. Two other listings were, you know, not, not completely updated, one not really much at all, the other modestly updated and not in as attractive neighborhoods, these good neighborhoods, but just not the highly sought after neighborhoods. And they're, you know, either off market or city. So, 
um, take that for you know for what it is. Um, plays that work. Let's talk about plays that work. Um, this one has to do with competing on a listing. You know that most of your listing appointments, when you go in, they're going to be talking to other people. Now, maybe you have old clients who they're going to use you and that's all they're going to use. But a lot of times you're going to be competing for a listing and they're going to be talking to other people. And so one of the things that's just good to do is just ask how many people you're interviewing. And of course, you want to be last. If at all possible, you'd like to be last. But of course, the risk you run there is that they fall in love with somebody. Someone who's a great sales pitch and they jump and they sign the contract. So it's good to be last, um, but one of the things you need to do to protect yourself is just ask the client how many people you're interviewing and then um, ask them not to sign anything until they've met with you. Ask them for the courtesy of giving you the opportunity to meet with them before they sign up with anybody. And then in the meantime, while you're waiting for those other listing appointments to happen with other agents, send out your pre-listing package. Demonstrate your knowledge and your care for them. And, and, and then, of course, you know, hopefully they'll honor that and they'll wait to speak with you. But you will have demonstrated your knowledge. You'll have the advantage of going in there after everybody else has gone in and they're really kind of starting to feel the urgency to get that property going um, on the market. So economic news today was the day of the Fed announcement, and there's a lot of hot takes out there. You know, the, the, the take that matters most, at least in the very near term, is, is the market's take. And, and I can tell you that the market liked it. Um, the bond market, I say, when, when the prices are driven up on bonds, interest rates are driven down. They react inversely to one another. Yields go down when the price goes up, and yields correspond to interest rates. Um, uh, mortgages are financed by mortgage-backed securities, and they track very nicely with the 10-year Treasury bonds. And so we saw some improvement today. The market improved as a result of the Fed's announcement. The Fed did announce another rate hike. That was already baked in. Everybody already knew that was coming. And so what they're focusing on is, is the Fed's comments. And basically, I think what the market focused on today is the Fed's acknowledging that inflation's slowing down. Okay, that is obvious. Um, and so I think the market is, you know, the Fed left the door open for another rate increase. I think that's clearly still open. Um, but the Fed is discounting that now by more than they did before. You know, that it's, it's never a guaranteed, right? The Fed isn't locking themselves in, literally. Now, a lot of times, like today, everybody knew this was coming, but they're not literally locking themselves in. They can make the decision on that given day based upon whatever data they want to, and they don't have to stay in line with their forecasts or with, with their telegraphing. Um, but right now, the, the market is discounting to a greater degree the odds of another increase because they're seeing the cumulative effect of deflation of inflation slowing down and so that's good now the other thing to keep in mind though is because the fed has left open the door it, it does demonstrate that they're still not convinced that they've gotten on top of the inflation bug and jobs are a big part of that you know right now unemployment is 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 low you know and and although we all like for all our neighbors and for ourselves to be employed um, that scares the Fed in terms of the inflationary potential of that. If the, if the um, labor market is overheated, that tends to drive up wages, that tends to defeat their efforts at combating inflation and can be very inflationary. And so I think we're still in a market that's very sensitive to jobs data. Every week, uh, we get the Labor Department releases the um, initial unemployment claims. And that's a number to watch very closely. They also uh, released the four-week moving average because any given week you can have a spike or a decrease. It doesn't necessarily rec reflect the current trend, but they, they released the four-week moving average. 
And right now that four week moving average is in, in the mid 250s. That has to get close to the mid 350s, I think, before the Fed kind of breathes the real sigh of relief and says, okay, the labor market's not a threat. And so I think we still see some volatility around jobs data. You know, if, if the market continues to show heated job data week after week after week, then I think that, you know, we, we need to keep an eye. That's going to prevent rates from really going into any sustained um, decrease. Having said all that, the market very much expects 2024 to see uh, the Fed decrease interest rates. I think everybody expects that. And then finally, kind of the uh, wannabe viticulturist. Uh, as you know, I like, I like wine. Um, my fantasy is, is to grow some grapes someday in a property that I have, and uh, so I'm just reading about it. And it, and, it's, and it really is a fantasy, and I'm really not a wine snob because I really don't know nearly enough about it to be so. I do like good wine. Um, but one of the things I was really reading about was the difference between American oak barrels and French oak barrels. And French oak barrels have a reputation for imparting kind of subtler flavor, more subtle um, flavors. Uh, in, into the wine, Americans tend to be a little bit strong. And of course, subtlety is, you know, is, is, is not so great if you want to win a war, but it's great for making wines. And, and one of the things I'm reading about here says there's not really that much difference between American white oak and oaks used in France. The difference is that the French coopers expose the wood to elements for many months. The sun, the rains, the frost, the snows leach the heavy oaky volatiles from the wood. Then they are made into barrels that are capable of imparting delicate nuances of oak to a wine. For years, the American white oak barrels were not so leached and could over-oak a wine in a matter of a few weeks. And then it goes on to say, but in recent years, Coopers in Wisconsin and Arkansas especially are treating the American oak with more care and the results are good. So, excellent. And again, this book right now that I'm reading, I do have a newer book, by the way, but this book that I'm reading right now was written in, uh, I think, 2001, maybe, so it's, yeah, it's 20 years old. Um, now, we're not talking about computers, you know, so we're not talking about, you know, th these aren't, um, you know, ages uh, in, you know, in, in the winemaking um, industry, technology doesn't change that fast. Um, but still, 20 years is a long time, and, and as they note here, Americans were making progress here, but I think it is still the case, and I did look this up today, that French, um, you know, French oak barrels tend to impart more delicate flavors, more subtle flavors than the American oak um, wine. That's it. Thanks so much.